Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one welcoming page of Talmud a day. Today's pages, Nazir 20 and 21, kick things off with one of those classic Talmudic romps, forcing us to be very specific about one thing and then masterfully diving right into something completely different, something even bigger and more profound. Have a listen. Reish Lakish sat before Rabbi Yehuda Nasiya, and he sat and said in explanation of the Mishnah. And this halacha, that they're all Nazarites, applies only when they all took a vow by associating themselves with the previous vow within the time required for speaking a short phrase. The Gemara asks, and how much time is included in the measure of within the time required for speaking a short phrase, the Gemara answers, it is the time necessary for greeting someone. The Gemara asks, and how much is the time necessary for greeting someone? The Gemara answers, that it is the time necessary for a student to say, peace upon you, my teacher, to his rabbi. So, if we understand this correctly, the minimal unit of speech the very essential building block of all human communication. A short phrase is a greeting. And not just a greeting, but a greeting you would give your rabbi. That teaches us a lot about the Talmud's mindset. If you break down all speech to its atomic particles, you'd be left with two things. First, a welcoming greeting. And second, one extended to a spiritual leader. Together with my colleagues on the Unorthodox Podcast, I had the pleasure of speaking recently with Suan She, who is currently in Divinity School and practicing to be a Presbyterian minister. We talked all about how to create welcoming and spiritual spaces, especially for people who may feel a bit rejected or unsure of their place in the community. Have a listen. So Ed, we met because I was at Princeton talking about Gatecrashers, my podcast about the history of Jews in the Ivy League, and a couple students from Princeton Theological Seminary, you and one friend of yours, were there. And one of the things I found so interesting was you talked about your own journey to Christianity. How did you become a Christian? How old were you? Why did you become a Christian? Did your parents think you'd gone nuts? What was going on? Yeah. Okay. So people always ask me, are your parents Buddhist? Are they like, you know, I'm like, it's really complicated to explain how Chinese people are because it's like this hodgepodge of like values, Confucianism, Taoism, Buddhism, all kind of just mixed in this cultural pot of like ancestral worship, indigenous practice. And so my parents, they believe in some sort of general God and right and wrong. And when I was young, we went to like a Chinese church and now in hindsight, I think that it was really just like a for the community kind of thing. My parents, maybe like they didn't feel like what the church believed clashed with what they believed, but it was like a place for them to be with people, you know, who similarly immigrated like them. And I think the really big turning point for me was when I started going to this Christian all girls camp, like super evangelical Christian, had no idea, but I had so much fun and the people were really, really nice. 
And then probably around 13, my sister came back from her freshman year of undergrad at Sarah Lawrence of all places and had basically become an evangelical Christian. At Sarah Lawrence? That hotbed of uh, <laughs> evangelical propaganda. Yeah, my sister was like in Campus Crusade for Christ. And then one like Saturday night, she's like, you want to go to church with me tomorrow? And I was like, okay, I can do that. So I start going to church with her. I'm like, wow, there's like this God who loves me and accepts me. And yeah, so like many converts, I was a, a really intense zealot, like a fundamentalist. Well, that's my, that's my question. <laughs> you actually say you became a fundamentalist zealot through a series of trials, including realizing that you were queer. I want to hear about the fundamentalist zealotry and what about that was appealing and also what about that you've left behind. As, and now that you're a divinity student, how you're not that same fundamentalist zealot anymore, unless unless you are. Yeah, in some ways I still am. And I think it's like you can love parts of yourself while having a healthier expression of them. I also felt like I didn't fit in, you know, as like an immigrant kid in a, you know, very white suburb. And yeah, I was looking for something that could just give me more sense of like secure identity in the world, give me a sense of purpose. And I think that that translated to like, well, I want to be really like right and I want to know what, how to be good. And I think that religion gives me tools to understand that and how to be good. These aspects of my my personality tend towards zealotry. <laughs> but I also, I mean, I do believe from a spiritual perspective that like God kind of intervened and like, you know, captured my heart. Yeah. So like when I found the Presbyterian kind of world, which I always think of as like a cousin to Baptist, they just like to read more. And um, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, like. When I was in my mega church, I would like read all these books and I have all these questions about the Bible, or I would like notice that my small group leaders would like say something that like directly contradicted something that the Bible said. <laughs> and I was just really confused because I was like, I thought we were here. Like you tell me to read the Bible and to follow what it says, but like you don't actually do that. So you're saying Presbyterianism gave you permission to think? Well, I always thought it just was like socially more acceptable to be a person who like asked a lot of questions and read stuff. So I was able to like grow in that self and I didn't have that like, oh, it's like me against everybody else and they just want to keep me down kind of mentality that I maintained when I was more of a minority in my setting. It softened all of my like armor and all these edges I had to be able to like be open to other ideas because I was like, oh, like a Christian can believe this or this or this. And not, it's not just like this is one thing that you can do in order to be a Christian. And then when I was in college, I realized that I was queer <laughs> and you know, I had built up this intense identity as a Christian. And then I was like, well, what does it mean for me to be Christian if I'm attracted to women? So yeah, so I was like, okay, so then like, I need to like, be ready to commit to a life of celibacy. And so that was kind of the path I took for many years. And, you know, continue to study, continue to be part of my PCA church. And then... And the PCA, we should say, the Presbyterian Church in America, while not the most conservative Presbyterian denomination, it's not where you go if you want to be in a pro-queer Presbyterian space. It is not. Yeah. And yet you found yourself, it seems to me, you're in seminary to be a preacher, an educator, I don't know, just a more learned Christian. And you also have an album of hymns out. Yeah. I mean, my, my I always tell people my first career was as an artist, as a music producer and... The shift now to, in this form of my career as ministry is I just see my art, my music, all of it as a part of my ministry now. Can I just read what I think is an amazing description of your music uh, from your website? She takes themes and songs from historical Christianity and the Protestant Reformation and combines them with her own experiences in the DIY punk and riot girl community and her lifetime love of female singer-songwriters. So would you would you give us a hymn? Yeah, sure. So this is the last song on my album. It's Praise to the Lord the Almighty. 
the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Oh, my soul, praise Him, for He is thy health and salvation. All ye who hear, draw to His temple, draw near. Praise Him in glad adoration This has been Take One. If you enjoyed the show, and I hope that you do, please go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. And get your Take One merch, t-shirts, mugs, and other great stuff at tabletstudios.com. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Daf Yomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Liebowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Roske, Quinn Waller, and Ellie Blyer. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Tanya Singer, Courtney Hazlett, Robert Scarmuccia, and Mark Oppenheimer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You could find us on Twitter at takeone.fiomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic. Yeah. That was amazing. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Baptize me now.